Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, it's now more difficult to insure a home in California. Two of the biggest insurers are pulling out of the new homes market. They say exposure to catastrophes like wildfires, plus the costs of construction, are simply too great. State Farm announced last month that it will no longer sell new homeowners insurance anywhere in California. And just over the weekend, Allstate confirmed that it has paused new claims for the same reason. We'll talk about how the state is responding and what it means for your future home. That's next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim. Climate change is sparking an insurance crisis. Two of the state's largest insurers will not take on new claims for homeowners insurance, State Farm and Allstate. The two companies say climate change and construction costs are making it too expensive to do future business here. Ouch. Today's panel will help us understand what this means for current homeowners, future buyers, and even renters. We're joined now by Ivan Penn. He's a Los Angeles-based, excuse me, Los Angeles-based reporter covering alternative energy for the New York Times. Welcome, Ivan. Can you kind of give us the the lay of the land here? So these two major companies are pulling out, kind of flesh out exactly why, starting with State Farm. It's good to be with you all today. Um, yeah, this is uh, one of the clear uh, impacts of uh, climate change. Um, you know, what we saw emerge, particularly uh, after the wildfires of 2017, uh, was... Uh, a growing concern about uh, not so much the wildfires, because we obviously have had wildfires in California, but in 2017, the the wildfires really exploded. Uh, we began to see uh, shortly after that, uh, and rates began to jump, um, and some insurers began to refuse to renew policies. But what we now have is State Farm and Allstate uh, deciding not to um, uh, take new policies, which, uh, you know, the this is a, an issue that we have seen all across the country uh, related to uh, devastating events, whether it is the wildfires in California, uh, the hurricanes in places like Florida and the Gulf Coast states. Uh, as well as flooding um, in the inland states, uh, the the effects of climate change now are being felt 
by everyone. And the insurers are trying to look at how they mitigate uh, the impacts of these devastating events uh, and trying to shore up their their financials. But as you said there, this is happening all across the country. So, so why California? If we've got a lot of other states with other issues, whether it's tornadoes, like you said, or flooding, hurricanes, et cetera, you know, why California now? Well, California, again, uh, 2017 started a series of major wildfires. Um, and of course, 2018, we had uh, the most deadly, uh, the campfire, which uh, destroyed the, the town of Paradise, uh, 85 uh, people died, um, and things continue to to explode. Now we're sitting on uh, a situation, particularly this year, where we've had the enormous uh, uh, amount of rain all across the state, which uh, helps with the drought. But the other side of that is that it causes tremendous uh, vegetation growth. And then as we go into the summer, and that vegetation begins to dry out. It becomes uh, significant kindling for for uh, for more wildfires. Um, and it's not just California. Uh, California is now dealing with it because of this series of wildfire events. Uh, but you know, we had the same thing uh, with Florida. Uh, particularly, you go back to uh, Hurricane Andrew in '92, and then in 2004. We had uh, five storms hit the state in six weeks, and then uh, Hurricane Irma uh, coming uh, in 2017. So you've got all of these different events that began to affect the insurers in the in the state of Florida. For a while, the big ones left uh, Florida. Uh, it put pressure on the state to uh, take on a lot of, of the policies within the state insurer. Uh, and then there were these small companies that that arrived. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not just California. California is starting to deal with it uh, because of the extent of of these wildfires. Are there some lessons to learn there from Florida? I think you've lived in, in both places. So we saw these big companies pull out of Florida. Now we're seeing that here in California. What can what can California sort of glean from from where, you know, what Florida has had to go through in recent years? Yeah, the the interesting thing was, uh, yeah, I was um, working for at that time the Miami Herald when Hurricane Andrew hit. Uh, I covered uh, Hurricane Ivan in two thousand four, my namesake, um, and uh, and I wrote about some of the uh, what were termed the the pup insurance companies or these small companies that were under uh, capitalized, um, and that caused a a problem. Uh, people uh, were seeing their 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 rates not only go up, but uh, losing the major insurers, um, these smaller ones unable to to um, uh, they weren't backed well financially. Uh, so there was a lot of concern on those fronts. And it's still playing out where the state insurer in Florida citizens, uh, they won't cover replacement costs uh, that exceed $700,000 in much of the state or a million dollars in the Miami-Dade uh, or Key, Key West areas. Um, so you're, you're still seeing uh, the effects there. And, and then you look even, even beyond uh, Florida and, and California, you know, the federal government uh, implemented a flood insurance program um, 
single family homes nationwide, um, you know, they're paying right now an $888 per year uh, for that policy. But that's going to go up because of a new risk based pricing uh, that's going to make the average cost about uh, $1,800, a little more than $1,800 on average. Uh, so, again, we're seeing this all over the country. Um, a lot of these things, because uh, we we obviously aren't just dealing with wildfires, but there are concerns about you know flooding issues uh, in California. So dealing with a myriad of the concerns that the whole country is, uh, and and a lot of it driven uh, by by climate change. I want to bring Michael Wara into the conversation uh, now. He's the director of climate and energy police program for the Stanford's, Stanford Woods Institute for the Environment. Uh, welcome, Michael. I'm curious if you can put this into some kind of you know practical terms. What is this going to mean, these two companies bailing on California, State Farm and Allstate, for homeowners? What are we going to see for homeowner, new homeowners in terms of you know, potentially you know, policies being much more expensive? Well, you know, the, I think the thing for homeowners to worry about is in California right now is actually availability of policies more than price. Um, certainly price is an issue, especially if you can't find, if you can't get access to the standard, what's called admitted lines coverage and have to go to the fair plan, the prices are much higher. Um, but I, I think the, the 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 growing concern is really just that we, the there'll be less access to the standard uh, insurance product that everyone is pretty, it's probably familiar with who owns a home um, because of the interaction between this growing risk that Ivan described and the limitations created by the California regulatory insurance regulatory system on how insurance is priced. And we're seeing reduced availability and increased reliance on this insurer of last resort. And that's creating kind of structural risk. And that's why what's different about what State Farm and Allstate did is that, you know, prior, you know, since 2017, even before that, there were people in high risk places in California having trouble accessing insurance. Now, you know, there's, 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 but, but, but people who lived in, say, the Sunset District in San Francisco or downtown Sacramento really didn't face that problem. I think what we're seeing with these actions is a desire on the part of the insurers to reduce their overall exposure to California as a whole hmm. because they cannot, because of the structure of the regulatory system, they can't limit their exposure to the high wildfire risk properties just by not writing insurance for those properties because they face exposure to the fair plan, uh, which is the insurer of last resort. They kind of have to either take it or leave it. And they're, they're not saying they're going to leave. Of course, you know, State Farm didn't can't, isn't canceling its existing customers policies, or it's not going to cease to renew them, but it's, it's, it's pretty unusual for a company to say, we don't want to grow. And it's particularly unusual for that company to say, we don't want to grow our business in the largest real estate market in the United States, which is what California is. So it's a, it's a, it's a sign of real concern for the health of the market. And I think the thing for everyone who focuses on climate change to remember is that insurance, access to high quality, reliable insurance is probably the best climate adaptation strategy 
that anyone should take in the first instance, right? We also want to reduce our risks and do smart things to reduce our losses. But having good insurance is, is just fundamental to being resilient to catastrophe. You mentioned a few times there the FAIR plan or the, the, the plan of last resort. Just explain that for folks who may not be familiar with the FAIR plan and how that increases you know, insurance companies' exposure by, by staying in California. Sure. So the FAIR plan is a structure that was created in the 1960s to really deal with redlining after the Watts riots, right, where insurers said we're not going to write policies in uh, mostly African-American neighborhoods because we're worried about um, riots. And, and, you know, I think there was significant concern about um, redlining going on. So the fair plan is a structure where if you can't get insurance from the normal market, there's this insurance of last resort that is um, basically just covers the structure, doesn't cover all the other things that normal insurance covers, like the contents of your home and, you know, uh, umbrella coverage in case you there's some other liability that might threaten your home, but just the structure and the it, it's a it's allowed greater flexibility in setting rates. So fair plan rates in high wildfire risk areas are much higher because they are higher risk and there aren't the same limitations. In addition, um, they are um, the fair plan structure require allows the fair plan to assess companies that participate in the California admitted lines market depending on um, their market share. So if you have 20% of the insurance market in California and the fair plan runs short of money, you have to pay 20% of the money that fair plan needs to stay solvent. Which and is State is Farm, the- right? I mean, State Farm has 20% of the market. So I want to get into exactly what that's going to look like and why that's making State Farm sort of bail because that 20% is, is a risk they don't want to take on. So hold that thought and we'll be right back with you, Michael. We're talking about how climate change is affecting California's homeowners insurance market now that State Farm and Allstate are no longer accepting new policy applications anywhere. Stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
You're listening to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim. And we're talking about how climate change is affecting California's homeowners insurance market. Now that State Farm and Allstate are no longer accepting new policy applications anywhere in the state. And we were joined in that last segment by Ivan Penn. He's a Los Angeles-based reporter covering alternative energy for The New York Times. Thank you so much for being with us, Ivan. And we're now joined uh, again by Michael Wara. He's the director of the Climate and Energy Policy Program and a senior researcher research scholar at the Woods Institute for the Environment at Stanford University. And Kimiko Barrett is with us as well. She's a research and policy analyst for Headwaters Economics. Thank you so much, all of you, for being here. Um, Michael, before we went into the break, you were talking about how the FAIR plan exposes insurance companies like State Farm. So State Farm has 20% of the insurance market here in California. And if, and if I'm understanding this correctly, so basically... If massive disaster happened and the the folks are insured through the FAIR plan, which is the plan of of last resort that the state offers, if that plan, if the state can't pay, you know, for those claims, then the insurance companies in California have to come in and, and, and help kind of bail out the state. Is that is that kind of how it works? Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's more or less correct. And the thing for people to understand is that the fair plan is currently in a 300 plus million dollar deficit, at least so far as its most recent financial reporting. Ouch. And it has grown, the, 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 it's grown substantially since 2017, 2018, both in terms of the number of policies, right? It's gone from 100, 120,000 ish policies up to above 250,000 policies. But more importantly, Commissioner Lara made a, a very significant change to fair plan coverage. It used to be have very strict limits on the amount of coverage. I believe it was $250,000 was the maximum coverage. And he raised that to $3 million. And so the amount of policy written, the co- policy coverage has gone from something like $40 billion to something like $250 billion over that period. So there's just much more high-risk exposure in the fair plan. It's in deficit. And the companies are looking at the situation and feeling, you know, nervous, I, I think is the is the right way to put it. And, and that calculus plus the fact that inflation rates, especially inflation for construction, as anybody who's tried to do a remodel in California has has encountered this, has really ex- accelerated and, and is much is, is much greater even than, you know, the normal, the regular inflation rate, um, non-core inflation uh, or core inflation, sorry. Um, means that the the insurance industry is is struggling to see the upside in participating in the California homeowners market in general at this point. And is that unique that this sort of the bailout of the bailout that the insurance companies have to bail out the state? Is that clause or that policy by Ricardo Lara, the insurance commissioner of California? Is that unique to California? Do other states not require insurance companies to participate in that way? Um, it varies state to state, and I would emphasize that that policy predates um, Commissioner Lara. He's, you know, he he is not the person that created that that situ- that system. Um, you know, he has taken steps to to try to increase access to the fair plan and improve the package of of insurance that the fair plan is required to offer. Um, so he sort of he's he, but but he, he didn't create the system we have. Got um, it. So, but but it's 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 not unique to California. But I think the 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 overall picture um, in California is relatively unique and is very consumer friendly. Got it. Which got worked it. okay before we had catastrophic wildfire. 
Right, right, right. And just to underline, we did reach out to State Farm and Allstate. We invited them to, to be on the show or provide additional statements, and State Farm declined, and Allstate did not get back to us in time for the show. So um, we want to hear, we want to open our conversation, open our phone lines, and hear from listeners about what they're dealing with in this situation. Again, we're talking about how climate change is affecting California's homeowners insurance market now that State Farm and Allstate are no longer accepting new policy applications anywhere in the state. And we're joined by Michael Wara. He's the director of climate and energy policy program and a senior research scholar at the Woods Institute for the Environment at Stanford University. Kimiko Barrett, we're about to talk to you in just one one moment. She's a research and policy analyst for Headwater Economics. And again, we want to bring in callers. Maybe you're having trouble insuring your own home. We'd love to hear your story. Maybe you have a question for, for our experts about what to do in this new situation. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can email your comments and questions to Forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Again, give us a call, 866-733-6786. Michael tweets, I'm worried that I will not be able to sell my home because the new buyer will not be able to buy insurance for it, though I have insured it with State Farm for years and years. Uh, Could that be true, Michael? That's a growing risk. I think there's still a large number of providers that are writing new coverage in California. The concern would be that as these kind of larger uh, participants in the insurance market pull out, that you could start to see more and more of this, and that we might be left in a situation uh, like Ivan described has occurred in Florida, where there's very limited access to new new underwriting, and the people that are the companies that are doing the underwriting are smaller, and so more vulnerable to insolvency in a catastrophe. And Noel tweets, let the insurance companies charge more for homes in fire-prone areas. If we don't have socialized home insurance, then let the market decide. Maybe it can discourage building in the urban wildland interface. I'd love to bring you, Kimi, into the the conversation to, to just kind of comment on Noel's tweet there. What do you think? Yeah, it's a great question, Noel. Um, I think when it comes to coverage in just high risk areas, there is a lot of concern on behalf of the insurance companies about the ability to actually make that level of compliance adequate and monitor it to ensure that homeowners have effectively addressed that risk in just those high prone areas. I think it's much more complex when you look at the scale of risk in places like California across the board. And when you start to examine what on a home is vulnerable to wildfire, it goes well beyond just that wildland urban interface. And this is the nature of of home destruction, really. And so kind of bringing it back to basic science 101 on wildfire behavior, a lot of homes, a majority of homes actually that are burned during a wildfire are a result of ember or firebrand cast. So those are lofting balls of fire flames that get flown anywhere from one to four miles ahead of that wildfire front. And if they land on any flammable surface area in or around the home, they can threaten the home itself. And then once one home starts to burn, neighboring structures, structures are similarly threatened. So when you start to account for that, again, that that one to four mile advance of embers ahead of a front means that structures traditionally are commonly perceived as being safe because they are outside that wildland urban interface are actually still quite exposed and at risk. 
So it's not quite so simple as saying, you know, these places have to have higher coverage, even though I understand Noel's principle with this. It's just much more complex when you start to break it down at a parcel level and which homes are truly vulnerable, particularly in a place like California, where that risk is quite ubiquitous. Gotcha. Well, let's bring Lynn into the conversation. Lynn, you're on the air in Mountain View. Thank you. Hi. Um, so um, I had a question about um, um, shared ownership of responsibility for reimbursement. Um, it seems like um, a lion's share of the California wildfires are related to aging infrastructure, and specifically PG&E. I think of the Thomas Fire. I think of, well, all the fires up north. And I'm wondering if there is a plan for shared ownership so that um, um, uh, those responsible may actually participate um, in helping homeowners maintain uh, the insurance that they so desperately need. I mean, frankly, developers as well, they take responsibility for developing on those lines where um, areas are more vulnerable. Michael, do you want to take that one? My answer up here. Sure. Well, in Cal- under California law, the ut- if utilities start a fire, and, and the caller is absolutely right that utilities have been and utility line ignitions have been a major cause of some of the most destructive fires we've had in California over the last six years. Um, when utilities start a fire under California law, they are strictly liable for any losses that occur from the ignition. So utilities are definitely a financially responsible party. And that's that's the reason that PG&E went into bankruptcy um, during, the, during the 2019 period. Um, the, but what I'd say, I apologize for my dog. We can um, hardly hear it, no worries about it. Okay, good. The, the, um, what I'd say is that what's what's happening in the California market is that the um, the entire system is coming under so much strain that um, even you know with that strict liability provision under law and so so what happened after those fires is that the insurance companies paid claims and then they subrogated against the utilities and they were an important class of claimants in the bankruptcy but you never recover a hundred cents on the dollar for a subrogation claim, typically settlements. I mean, I, I'm not an expert on this, but my understanding is that settlements are more on the order of 50 cents on the dollar. So the insurance companies take a 50, 50% loss, even when there is another, there is a financially responsible party against which they can subrogate. Mm-hmm. And so it helps, but it's not a panacea. Got it. We have lots of questions about renters. Um, one listener, let's just go, we'll just start here. Uh, you know, does this pullout also include new policies for renters insurance? Michael, do you know that? Is this, you know, will State Farm continue to, uh, you know, take on new claims for renters insurance? Michael, are you there? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think um, I'm not sure how this is going to apply to the renters, insur- renters insurance market. I think... The evidence suggests that most renters do not have um, renters insurance. Um, And it's something that, you know, when I served on the Welfare Commission in California, we suggested that, you know, this issue is really critical, actually. And and we need to be paying more attention to how low and middle income people in California manage through these catastrophes. And most of those people are renters. They're not homeowners. Um, 
And, you know, th there are a number of effects of a catastrophe of wildfire catastrophe on renters. You know, one of them is that they can lose the lose their their rental property and their their contents, all of their belongings. Another is that often after a wildfire, homeowners, as a part of their admitted lines policies, get rent get get free they they get rental coverage for um a replacement home while they reconstruct and that means that the cost of rental housing gets bid up mm -hmm. in the area around a wildfire after the wildfire and that can have huge impacts on renters and we saw this in chico after the campfire where homelessness became a massive problem because 20,000 people from paradise lost their homes overnight and they had to live somewhere and there's limited supply of housing in California to begin with. And so and so Chico now has one of the biggest problems with unsheltered uh, residents of anywhere in California. It seems to me, Kim E., that one of the problems here is that insurance is very reactive to the situation, right? You have a huge fire, and then insurance companies have to cover all those claims, and it costs you know more than they can they afford. And now they're saying, hey, the, the numbers don't add up. What can we do on the front end to be more proactive, you know, and prepare homes for these these disasters? Yeah, this is another great question. And when you're talking about these proactive measures, it really needs to occur across all scales. So starting at that individual resident homeowner level, there are lots of things that are both required by regulation as well as kind of voluntary measures with respect to reducing, again, as I noted earlier, that flammable surface area, essentially. So everything from the roof of your house itself, what's in the gutters, what's in those roof alleys, what's in those wall to roof junction areas, what's on your deck, if you have firewood on your deck, that's probably not the best place to store it during wildfire season, what's underneath the deck. Very importantly, what's within that zero to five foot perimeter around the home itself. And then as you work out under the property, there's things to consider with respect to trees and vegetation management and shrubs. Everything, again, to reduce the vulnerability of exposure to embers and surface fire. So that's on an individual level. As you start to increase in scale and get larger, you have the local fire department side of things. There's lots of opportunities to call your fire department and they can come to your home and provide an assessment that can be incredibly helpful to understand what it is that you need to do to mitigate that risk, what you are required to do by California's existing reg regulations and in particular chapter 7A, the building code, as well as public resources codes that manage vegetation. And then at the state level, California is already doing quite a bit to try and address mitigation, understanding that they are really leading the country, not only with respect to their risk, they have greater risk than 96% of any other state in the country, but that also on the flip side of this, they are certainly at the forefront of these mitigation and planning efforts. And then all of this leads up to that federal scale of policy and what can be done to help offset what we know are going to be the cost down to that individual level. We know that retrofitting a home is going to require a lot of money and new construction can require a lot of money. And so trying to offset these costs for the individual homeowner is absolutely necessary if we're all trying to reach the scale of mitigation needed to truly reduce community risk at that neighborhood level. Let's bring Mike into the conversation. Mike in Palo Alto, you're on the air. Yes. 
Um, I was thinking that we should really have the market encourage developers to build homes and systems that are more robust to flood, fire, earthquake, and all the other risks we have by requiring new-built homes in developments to be sold with something like 10 years of insurance so that any riskily built homes, riskily built systems, are penalized by the market. That's it. What do you think about that, Kimmy? I think it's a very innovative idea. I cannot speak to the insurance as well as I think Michael can on this panel. And so I would defer to him on the specifics of that. But certainly, you know, I think it should be noted with respect to all new development. Chapter 7A of California's building code was adopted in 2008. And it is periodically updated every three years. And it is the strongest, most robust building code in the country with respect to wildfire risk reduction measures for new construction. And it is mandating particular types of building materials within the home itself. And then it is supplemented with public resources code to require that very critical mitigation and vegetation management around the home itself. So new homes are already required to meet some standard level of risk reduction. That said, everyone in California knows there is an enormous fleet of existing homes. More than half of all of California's homes predate that 2008 building code. And actually the average building stock in California is 1975. So we know that there is an enormous existing housing stock that requires retrofit. And so I think what is being noted here in the consideration from Mike about integrating some sort of disclaimer would also have to be considered for probably resale of a existing home as well as new development. But again, I would defer to Michael and others on this call with respect to the insurance implications. We'll let Michael comment after this break. We're about to go into a break and we're talking about how climate change is affecting California's homeowners insurance market now that both State Farm and Allstate are no longer accepting new policy applications anywhere in the state. We're joined by Michael Wara, director of the Climate and Energy Policy Program, and Kimiko Barrett. She's a research and policy analyst for Headwaters Economics. And soon we'll be joined by Ricardo Lara. He's the insurance commissioner of California. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim, and we're talking about how climate change and rising construction costs are affecting California's homeowners insurance market. Both Allstate and State Farm are no longer accepting new policy applications anywhere in the state. And we want to hear from you. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're at kqed forum. Um, I want to read a comment here that just sort of twists the conversation a little bit. A listener writes, it's not a bad thing that the two most exposed insurers are writing fewer policies. They aren't exactly leaving the state. Traditionally, they also have underinsured people in order to get more people to buy and keep paying for their policies. Now they can concentrate on the policyholders they have. If it reduces the inclination to continue rapid development in unsafe and unholistic ways, it's a good thing. Is there a twist that this could be a good thing, Michael? I am just going to respectfully disagree with the sense of that comment. I I don't disagree that underinsurance has been a huge problem in California. It's largely a function of competition in the market and the challenges that California homeowners have with just affording the cost of housing in California. It's, It's a broader structural issue and there's tremendous value in having the large players willing to write coverage in as many parts of California as possible and giving California homeowners as much choice as possible when they go to purchase homeowners insurance. State Farm has been a company that that has not non-renewed customers, like not basically fired customers in high-risk areas up to this point. And so I actually worry that what's going to happen because of their decisions over the last few weeks Um, is that we may see a lot more customers going to the FAIR plan, which is not a good result. The FAIR plan is designed to be a kind of temporary um, insurance, not a permanent solution for people, even in high-risk areas. And I just want to second what Kimiko said before the break, which is just to, to highlight the importance of getting mitigations that matter done on existing properties. That is the true solution for California, is to have a more fire resilient fleet of homes, not, and I worry much more about the existing homes than the new homes, especially new master plan community homes, where it's not just that the houses are built to chapter 7A, but the street layout and the entire, all the infrastructure supporting the homes and, and in which the homes are placed is designed to reduce the risk of wildfire. I think we need to have a healthy insurance market where admitted lines policies are available to as many customers as possible. That is what we should shoot for as a state. Well, let's bring Gary, uh, Gary in San Francisco into the conversation. You're on the air. Uh, Hi. So I was general counsel of the California Insurance Department when Congressman John Garamendi was the insurance commissioner back in the early 2000s. And we had a proposal, along with a number of other insurance commissioners, for a federal reinsurance program that would cover high-cost claims from catastrophes like earthquake, fire, hurricane, 
Um, this issue that we're having with State Farm is not new. The Florida uh, insurance market failed when carriers stopped writing wind policies because of hurricane risk. Here in California, we had a situation where after the Northridge earthquake, uh, carriers stopped writing earthquake insurance. Um, if you had a federal reinsurance program that was a backstop where claims exceeded a certain amount, then companies like State Farm could mitigate their risk and be willing to continue to write uh, insurance policies in high-risk areas, knowing that they wouldn't bear the full uh, burden when a catastrophe hits. It would be a lot more efficient than what happens now when you know a catastrophe happens and FEMA steps in and starts handing out money to people. Um, this would be a better way to do it. So that's a proposal that I think uh, it's come up before. Congress has never passed it, but it's something that um, you know would help a lot. Well, we're joined now by Ricardo Lara. He's the insurance commissioner of California. Welcome to the conversation. Do, do you want to comment to uh, Gary's comment there about his proposal idea? Absolutely. And it's something that we uh, we continue to talk with the federal government as we continue to address this ever-changing climate of ours. And also, you know, I, I just want to say Michael Wara was spot on when it comes to what would be the ideal, which is really to focus on mitigation and bringing down that risk for communities. Um, you know, I was just last week in Orinda, where 30% of the residents are part of Firewise communities. And those are residents really working together to be safer from wildfires. And now they're going to be able to get a discount on their insurance through our new regulation here in California. And that is definitely the goal, is, is to bring down that risk, keep the emitted uh, insurers riding in these communities. And we know we all win. Consumers win when insurance companies are competing for their business. And that's really what we're trying to achieve here in the department. Just flesh out that program. I think you're talking about the Safer for Wildfires program. Am I saying that correctly? You're absolutely correct. And it really came about countless of meetings throughout the Sierra and, and, and throughout the state where we visited over 40 counties where a couple of things were happening. We were hearing from consumers, one, that uh, insurance companies were asking them to do the, the, the right thing, which was to mitigate their properties and, and spend thousands of dollars, but yet they would still get dropped or there was really no incentive for them to do it because there was no guarantee they were going to keep their coverage. The other thing we kept hearing was around fire risk scores and how these scores were being assigned to certain communities and what was the methodology behind these risk scores. And so immediately then we started working on a regulation that was say, how do we incentivize Californians to do the right thing and to help them knowing that the, the reality of, of where these fires are occurring are really a diverse economic, economically in these communities. You might have you know, multi-million dollar homes on one bluff and then turn around the corner and then you have, you know, manufactured housing. Mm -hmm. And so we needed to make sure that people were incentivized to do the right thing. And so we, we finally got that passed. And now insurance companies are submitting, have submitted the rate filings. We're looking those over so that we can start giving these important discounts, again, not only just for your home, and for your surrounding property, but for the entire community. So now we've actually, for the first time, actually started talking about community-wide mitigation standards so that entire communities can come together and bring down that risk and keep insurers riding in these communities. Well, let's bring Chris into the conversation. Chris in Healdsburg, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I live in an area um, in Healdsburg that got hit by the Kincaid fire in 2019. Uh, my house survived be due to 
methods that I used to build it and protections that I did and vegetation management. The winds at the time when the fire went through here were sustained at 40 to 50 miles an hour. My question is, um, it seems as though the insurers tend to insure by zip code and not by individual quality of, of the structure. And I've been having trouble getting insurance, even though I have a proven track record in under worst case scenario. Commissioner Lahr, do you want to comment there? Absolutely. What we've, what we've seen is insurance companies really now move towards using sat- satellite data uh, to determine uh, which homes they're, they're going to underwrite. And the fact is that they don't really get down to the granular level. First, you have to you know get sifted through this satellite data that really doesn't take into account your mitigation, which was a big issue for us and why uh, in the regulation, we demanded much more transparency on these fire risk scores. So now what's going to happen is one, when you get assigned a risk score, uh, you're going to be able to not only push back with the insurance company and be able to say, listen, you're not taking into account our mitigation. So what is the tech, what is the methodology you utilize? That's going to be public data now, and also allow you to appeal that score so that the insurance company can actually come and see the mitigation because that should count towards not only keeping your coverage, but also giving you the discount that you deserve for doing the right thing. Well, we have a, a comment from Jen. She says, if State Farm and Allstate are doing this, will other companies follow? What's being done to ensure that this will not become an overall problem? What's, what's your office doing, Commissioner Lara, to, to ensure that we just don't have an exodus of insurance companies from California? Well, well first of all, we, we do not have an exodus. Uh, you know, let's be clear. Californians are covered. Companies aren't leaving. And, and you know, to be clear, we, we as this is nothing new we we've seen companies you know hit the pause button and waiting to assess what what is happening i think a couple of things in terms of thoughts of what what we're where we're looking at is really looking at how we look at risk moving forward we know we can't use historical data uh times are changing and this confluence of you know hotter seasons wetter winters coastal flooding extreme heat are all kind of confluting at the same time. And so it's really putting a stress and, and really uh, a different perspective in terms of how we look at risk in California. But how are we going to keep the companies here who say, you know, they can't make ends meet in the current climate, literally? Right. So the conversation with them is around looking at the risk profile, looking at the amount of risk they have in their portfolio and really managing that risk, one. Two is uh, we've seen a record amount of investment in the legislature when it comes to forest management, prescribed burn, um, all these different strategies that, by the way, the legislature has never really invested before at like this magnitude. And so we have to get that money out as quickly as possible so that people are... um, using the funds to bring down that risk, uh, I think also partnering with and coupled with, I should say, with our regulation, now giving people that discount to harden their home is all going to help bring the risk down. Uh, But unfortunately, that's going to take time. Uh, And so we're trying to get those monies out as quickly as possible and get this regulation implemented so that we're bringing down the risk and keep insurers writing again and and hit the the green button again and and start writing new policies. But I should also say that there's over 
115 companies still writing homeowners policies in California. And so it doesn't sound like you're worried that these two giant companies, I mean, State Farm is 20% of the market, are leaving. No. Well, again, they're not leaving. They put a pause and we are working with them to look at the risk profile. Obviously, we can't determine what their financial, uh, what financially they're going to do, but we are working with them to, uh, with the department again, to help us understand what is it what that they're going to need to uh, actually grow their business in California. And a lot of the con- a lot of the conversations center around mitigation, as Michael was saying, and the need for us to really uh, double down on the work that we've been doing and also investing these resources like we've never done before. You're listening to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in from Mina Kim today. We're talking about how climate change is affecting California's homeowners insurance market. And we've got lots of lots of uh, calls and, and comments from folks who are, are going through this, really kind of grappling with this on a, on a real level. Joseph writes, not only is Allstate not writing new policies, I was canceled after 17 years of no claims. Two years ago, in what was for sure foreshadowing, I got insurance at 180% of my original premium. And Matthew writes... I live in West Sonoma County, some nine miles from the catastrophic Tubbs fire. I've been a State Farm customer for 30 years. Your guest said, and I think this was Michael, said that current customers were not facing cancellation. But I'm worried, and I'm wondering if I should be exploring other options. I'm in a very safe area, but these ham-handed policy shifts will inevitably impact my ability to afford to stay here. Michael, comment there? Well, you know, I think it's reasonable for... Everyone who lives in high-risk areas in the state of California right now to be attentive and concerned. The best thing that they can do to maintain their admitted lines coverage is to take the actions that Kamiko described earlier in the program in some detail. And I would just commend the work that Headwaters Economics does and a lot of the communications products that they have to help homeowners understand what they need to do. Um, the you know, we all need to be doing our part. And my expectation would be that the admitted lines coverage is going to start to be much more attentive to whether homeowners actually comply with the letter of the law on defensible space, mm-hmm. whether, you know, how close they can get to the Chapter 7A, the, the wildland urban interface building code standards, even if their home was built long before those codes entered into force. And so we're all going to need to do more. And that's going to cost money. Um, but I think it's worth it if we can avoid the kinds of destructive outcomes that we've seen over the past half dozen years. Let's bring Andrew into the conversation. Andrew in Los Gatos, you're in, you're on the air. Yeah, I just want to echo a lot of the the comments that were were said recently. I, I am a recent homeowner and have lost insurance through the normal means. I'm on the fair plan, and I, I do echo the the sort of problem with the granularity about how home risk is assessed. I could spend tens of thousands of dollars uh, trying to address and home harden. And and right now I'm just given a blanket statement, no, because some map that I don't have access to says that that I'm just too high risk. So I'm looking forward to a lot of the changes um, that that were talked about here. What about those folks who don't even qualify for the FAIR plan, Commissioner Lara? Well, the FAIR plan has to write you a policy. 
Um, and yes, you're absolutely right. We do not want people being sent to the fair plan, but if you're gonna be sent to the fair plan, you should have the option to have comprehensive coverage. And that is something that we've been actually fighting with the fair plan for a couple of years now in which they've actually been taking us to court, which is the fact is that insurance companies make money every time you enter into a new contract. And so if you're being sent to the fair plan and you're only covering, they're only covering your fire risk and then they want you to buy this wraparound coverage, well, that's only adding and exacerbating the cost of coverage. And so what we I've been advocating is fair plan, you need to give a, a comprehensive option for fair plan customers and also raise the raise the coverage limit so that it actually reflects the, the current cost in California prior to us mandating them to raise their rates. They hadn't raised their rates in, in, in since the 70s. And so again, modernizing the fair plan is critical. Uh, and, and, and really as we as we transition into really getting the work that has to be done around mitigation, getting these those investment dollars from the legislature out as quickly as possible. And the fair plan has to modernize to meet the current need of these customers in the WUI or in areas that are at high risk. Well, what do we do? And we have just to, this needs to be a quick answer because we're about to end our show. I mean, the fair plan is is really a last ditch option. It's very expensive and it's not designed for long-term individual use. So how, how are you working to keep insurance costs down for residents, you know, to buy a new home? And what do we do when the, when the, when the fair plan, you know, this is, if it's someone's only option, what else can it, can someone do if they can't afford that? Well, I think what the first thing we got to really focus and our focus on the department is really, look, we need to to build better and we need to rebuild better. We need to be safer. You know, we need safer communities that can withstand these extreme wildfires. And we we have to read to our market. So insurance companies, you know, charge the price that is justified, fair, and, and, and people have more choices. And so, uh, you know, I always I always say if people are having a hard time finding insurance, call our department. We have people Monday through Friday helping people understand what their policy is and what their options are and actually helping them locate coverage in the admitted market. And so, uh, you know, we're committed to doing that. And and again, like Michael said, we're, it's going to take all of us working together to bring that risk down in California and keep insurers uh, riding here in the state. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Commissioner Ricardo Lara. He's the Insurance Commissioner of California. We've also been joined this hour by Kamiko Barrett. She's a research and policy analyst for Headwater Economics. And Michael Wara, he's the director of the Climate and Energy Policy Program at Stanford University. Thank you all so much, and thank you to all the callers uh, for your very insightful uh, questions. Uh, hopefully you got some good answers from our experts. We've been talking about how climate change is affecting California's homeowners insurance market now that State Farm and Allstate are no longer accepting new policy applications anywhere in the state. This hour was produced by Carolyn Smith and Susan Britton. Thank you so much. And to our audio engineer, Danny Bringer. Thank you all so much for being on our team today. Y'all have a great day. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.